Welcome to Perimenopology, where we explore and converse about what it means to transition out of the young, hot, fertile, and fuckable box that our society labels as most worthy when you are socialized as a woman. Around here, we're all about body literacy and talking about the topics that society tells us are unimportant or inappropriate. I'm Michelle Kapler, reproductive acupuncturist, Chinese medicine practitioner, and master feminist life coach, and you've got episode number 46. Hello, hello, and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Perimenopology. Before I get into today's episode, I want to make a quick announcement. This episode is brought to you by my free course called The Menopause Mood Swing Solution. I offered this class as a live webinar earlier this year, and the feedback was so good that I decided I would make it available to anybody who wants to watch the replay. In this class, I talk about hormones, mood swings, and what to expect during perimenopause from your moods and your hormones. So if you've ever thought, this period in my life is like one big, long, never-ending PMS session, or if you're approaching the age of perimenopause and you're curious about what to expect, or if you're feeling like your hormonal mood swings are negatively impacting your quality of life and you're looking for some relief, then this class is for you. In the class, I answer things like, Why are perimenopause and menopause such an emotionally tumultuous time for a lot of people? How can we tell the difference between feelings that are normal and valid and when we're just being hormonal? How can we think about it differently so we might be able to get some relief? And of course, we'll be looking at all of this through an intersectional feminist lens where we explore how our socialization and conditioning affect the way we move through this time in life, especially when it comes to our emotions. To get free and instant access to the class, you can head to michellecapler.com forward slash mood, that's M-O-O-D, and you can also find the link in the show notes. Again, that's michellecapler.com forward slash mood. So today we're going to talk about feelings, which is a very important topic for all humans to ponder, in my opinion. But I think it's especially important to look at this during the perimenopausal transition because there are just so many opportunities for painful and uncomfortable feelings to come up. And this can be for a number of reasons. There are physiological reasons like shifting hormones that can cause uncomfortable feelings to come up, but there are also circumstantial reasons that can inspire these feelings to come up too, like a change in identity, body image stuff. And this is also often a time when we're just reevaluating our actions and attitudes and relationships because we want to decide on purpose how we want to move forward with quote unquote, the rest of our lives. And this can be emotionally messy too. And for many folks, perimenopause is a marathon and not a sprint. This process can take only a few months, and for some, it can take years. And that's not to say that you have to put up with hormonally fueled emotional turmoil for years and years on end. There are solutions that you can explore, but I think it also makes sense to put some cognitive tools in place to help process these feelings as they come up. And in order to navigate this, in order to avoid burning out, we must consider how we process our feelings, especially the painful or negative ones. So today I want to talk about the four different ways that humans deal with their uncomfortable feelings when they come up. But first, let's define what a feeling is. A feeling is simply a sensation that you feel in your body. And what causes our feelings is how we're thinking about something that's happening. So what's a negative feeling? 
a negative feeling is an unpleasant sensation in our bodies. It doesn't feel good to experience negative feelings. And to put a name to those feelings, there are sensations like sadness, irritation, anger, and then there's grief or disappointment or fear or overwhelm or even boredom. And the thing about this human experience that we are all having right now is that negative feelings are part of it. It's 100% guaranteed, no exceptions. All humans feel negative emotions about 50% of the time, regardless of their circumstances. It's just in different versions and different iterations. And there's a huge spectrum of different feelings that different humans will experience in response to their thoughts about their life circumstances. So if we know that negative and uncomfortable feelings are inevitable, everyone going through perimenopause and everyone else with a brain for that matter experiences them. It's interesting to consider what we do when we feel them, and I want to illuminate the four ways that we approach this. I'm going to use an analogy to explain how this works, and I'm going to describe a scenario that many people feel a pretty visceral aversion to when they think about it, which I will use to represent experiencing a negative feeling, and that is being at the dentist. So picture this, you're in the dentist chair, and you're there because you need a root canal. That's so fun, right? I bet your body is already feeling some stuff already as you think about it. So you're there and nothing has actually happened yet, but you're waiting to get started. The dentist is making small talk and lowering the chair and you see out of the corner of your eye that she's getting the needle ready to give you the numbing medication so she can go ahead and fix your tooth. And from there, she asks you to open your mouth and you know that the needle's coming within a few seconds. And the needle itself is going to represent our negative feelings in this analogy. And as a side note, for those of you rare people who actually enjoy going to the dentist, maybe you can think about a different thing that makes you uncomfortable. But I'm going to assume that most of you are on board at this point and you're feeling pretty uncomfortable when you're thinking about it. So if we're looking at the approaching needle as a tangible and sensual representation of our negative feelings, there are basically four ways that we can respond to it. So the first way that we respond to it is to react. When we react to a negative feeling, we are displaying and acting out how we think people act when they experience this emotion. It's usually a little or a lot dramatized and kind of over the top. So in our dentist chair analogy, This would look something like screaming really loudly when the dentist gives us the needle, or maybe writhing around or squirming in the chair, or moaning audibly. Just like if we feel anger, there is this extension of this where we are acting like we are angry, or if we feel annoyed, we act annoyed. And whether we're talking about a feeling in our bodies or a needle, Generally speaking, when we react to it like this, it tends to actually intensify the sensation. I'm willing to bet that if you scream really loudly and writhe around in the chair while the dentist is doing her thing, it's probably not going to make it hurt less. In fact, it might prolong the experience. The next way that we deal with our negative and uncomfortable feelings is to avoid them. And this is one that I am definitely an expert on. Avoiding a negative feeling is what we're doing when we get some bad news and eat three cupcakes, or when we get in a fight with our spouse and drink a bottle of wine, or when we're feeling anxious about an upcoming difficult situation. So we spend hours scrolling on social media, or we go on an online shopping spree to try to feel better. Or maybe we're feeling overwhelmed and uncertain about something to do with work. So we overwork and don't take breaks. So we don't have to feel that uncertainty. 
So to demonstrate this in our dentist analogy, avoiding a feeling is like getting up and running out of the room when you see the needle coming out of the corner of your eye. And the truth is that temporarily, it actually works. By getting up and running out of the room, it's true that you don't have to feel the needle in that moment. But the problem is that the root canal still needs to be done. And you will need to come back and sit in the chair and feel it eventually. And by avoiding it, the tooth problem will probably get worse. And it might be even more painful to get the needle when you inevitably have to. And the same is true when we overdrink or overeat or overwork or scroll social or binge on Netflix to avoid feeling our negative feelings when they come up. Doing these things will temporarily make us feel better because we get this big hit of dopamine and other feel-good neurotransmitters in the moment, but it doesn't actually solve what we're feeling. Eating half a dozen cupcakes doesn't actually make our anxiety go away. And I will tell you from my own personal experience and from seeing my clients and patients go through this, is that soon after, the feeling will come back in full force, and it's often worse than before, much like it would be if your dental pain continued to be there, for example. The next way we deal with negative feelings is to resist them. In our dentist analogy, this would look like when the dentist comes close with the needle, you reach up and grab the dentist's hand to block her from what she needs to do, or as she comes close to you, you punch her in the face. Now, I know the way I'm describing resistance of a feeling in this analogy is a little bit on the violent side, but that's actually how it plays out in our bodies as well. Resisting a feeling can be pretty easily recognized when we're feeling a lot of tension in our bodies and in our minds. I like to use this analogy of pushing a beach ball under the surface of the water. It is resistant and it's full of effort. And it usually accompanies this inner dialogue like, I don't have time for this. I shouldn't be feeling this way. What's wrong with me? Why is this happening to me? I should just get over it. I should be able to deal with this. And the trouble with resisting a feeling is that it doesn't actually solve for the feeling or make it go away. In fact, it generally creates a lot of pressure and friction and stasis, which usually means that the feeling intensifies. It gets worse and worse until you actually deal with it or do something to avoid it altogether, like eating a box of Oreos or running out of the room in the dentist office. The problem, well, one of the problems with grabbing the dentist's arm or punching her in the face is that the root canal is still there and still needs to be fixed. So you have to get the needle at some point. And it's likely that you're going to feel the needle even more when you do finally open your mouth because your nervous system is so highly stimulated from resisting it and pushing it down. This is the same as when we resist our uncomfortable feelings. So the last way that we can address our negative feelings is to allow them. And in our dentist analogy, it will look something like this. We know that the needle is coming. We take a deep breath, close our eyes. We understand that it will be uncomfortable, that it won't feel good, but we'll still open our mouth and allow the dentist to give us the medication that we need. It sucks. It doesn't feel good. But in a lot of cases, if we open and allow and relax, it ends up not feeling as bad as we thought it would. The worst part is usually the idea of getting the needle. It's the anticipation of it that's usually worse than the sensation itself. And I found this to be true with uncomfortable feelings as well. So how do we do this? How do we allow our uncomfortable feelings? It's not difficult, though it's possibly unpleasant, to visualize 
allowing a medical professional to give us an injection, but it's a little bit less tangible when it comes to our feelings. So how do we allow our feelings to be in our bodies without acting, resisting, or avoiding them? To give you some ideas for how to get started on this, what I want to say is that the best way to practice allowing negative feelings is just to be curious about them. And that comes from asking questions. When a negative feeling comes into your body, let's use anxiety, for example, you're going to ask yourself questions about what's going on. What are you feeling when it comes to this sensation? Where are you feeling it? Does it move? Is there a color or texture or sensation? Is it hot or cold? Is it tight or loose? If you could name the feeling, what would that be? When we ask ourselves questions about the sensations that we're experiencing, we're able to get out of our minds and what we think about experiencing the feeling and into what we are actually sensing. For me, I almost always feel anxiety in my chest. It gets stuck and contracted. It doesn't move and it feels very hot. Shame, on the other hand, also feels very hot, but I feel it on my cheeks and on the back of my neck. Shame moves into my stomach as well. Any irritation, I feel that in my gut. And it feels hot too, but it's red and heavy. And these descriptions can change each time I experience the feelings. When we're able to ask ourselves questions about what we are actually feeling in our bodies, we can begin to process it. And if we're able to sit with these situations and these sensations, they often just resolve on their own and often they aren't as bad as we think they're going to be. If this episode has you curious about your very human feelings and how to allow them, then you'll want to grab the menopause mood swing solution for free, where I go into more detail about how to deal with the uncomfortable feelings that come up during this time. You're going to head over to michellecaplet.com forward slash mood to get instant and free access, or you're going to grab the link in the show notes. That's it for me this week. Thanks for listening. Did you know that I'm a coach and clinician who helps women and people who cycle and menstruate make perimenopause the best thing that's ever happened to them? I deeply believe that you deserve to feel at home in your body, and I want to help you get there. If this resonates with you, let's work together. If you are a resident of Ontario, Canada, we can work together in a clinical setting, both virtually or in person, to help you find a unique and customized treatment plan to alleviate your perimenopausal symptoms and get you the relief you deserve using Chinese medicine. Or if you're looking for support with body image, confidence, advocating for yourself and seeking treatment, or just generally making your life as awesome as possible through this transition and beyond, I can help you anywhere in the world through coaching. To learn more about your options for working with me, head to michellecaplet.com and click on work with me on the overhead menu. I can't wait to talk with you.